welcome to Play EDH Radio 903.1, a podcast brought to you by the Play EDH Discord server, the world's biggest webcam Magic the Gathering community. In our episodes, we'll discuss new sets, deck building strategies, and much, much more in the world of Magic the Gathering. You can find past episodes, articles about Commander, a link to our Discord, and our Patreon on playedh.com. Thank you for tuning in and enjoy the show. We're happy to announce Saturday, July 9th, Play EDH will be hosting our third maximum power tournament, Play Max 3, a competitive tournament featuring the strongest decks in the format. If you're interested in competing for a chance to win a foil Alara ad nauseum and an Odyssey foil tainted pack, sign up forms can be found on our Patreon. We'll have coverage as well on twitch.tv slash playedh. Hope to see you there. Welcome to today's episode, everybody. Uh, we're glad you're here. On the episode today, we're going to be covering our chosen highlights from the Commander Legends Battle for Baldur's Gate main set, as well as the Commander Precon. So we're kind of doing a little combination episode. Uh, the first half of the episode, the first half, excuse me, we're going to cover the main set cards. And in the latter half, we'll focus more on the cards coming out in the Precons. Um, there's a ton of awesome new cards, especially for Commander, but obviously we can't cover all of them. There's like what, close to 70 Legends, something like that, if I remember yeah, correctly. Yeah, so many. Um, so we've kind of cherry-picked from our absolute favorite cards, ones that we're just really, really hype about, and that's what we're going to focus on to discuss them on the show. But as always, if there's more cards that you're interested in and that you're excited for, we'd love to talk to you on the Discord and, and hear from you and maybe gush over some more stuff we couldn't cover. So, um, in general, before we get into the highlights, what are your... What are you guys' general thoughts about the set overall, Sedalia? Uh, overall, I think the setting is pretty sweet. Uh, I have some D&D experience and like other tabletop roleplay experience. Baldur's Gate campaign I haven't played, but overall I think it's kind of cool to go back into the D&D world. We already had the previous uh, D&D set which introduced like the role that Roll20, which is gives you those highlight moments like when you get that natural 20 for example you'd get something explosive so i think like as a fantasy world and as a setting it's pretty fitting so uh, i like the setting overall uh, duke what do you think about the set overall i think the set overall is fine i don't know if it needed a commander legends tag on it because it may have set too much expectation mm -hmm. after the powerhouse that was the first commander legends yeah i, I agree <laughs> i think a lower power set is absolutely fine and what they've done here they've added a lot of variety to different colors and such but it is a bit of a weaker power set there's not too many cards i'm rushing out to buy unlike commander legends did Right. Right. And that's a welcome change, at least for me personally, on my, you know, on my wallet or the old, the trusty old checkbook. Um, <laughs> but I, I think, I think like in terms of set power and all that kind of stuff, there, there is sort of a trade off. If you have like a lower power set, it's, I, maybe this is wrong, but it's at least my personal observation. Like lower power sets, some, you know, in general, kind of, provide more variety whereas if you have a a set that's high power and has like 20 staples in it that are just like off the bat everyone's gonna play it it's kind of homogenous and i i appreciate the the diversity and really i mean this set is it's it's given a lot to the format i think and um yeah a lot of options so i'm a fan yeah of it. yeah to hope off this uh like 
if we think about the modern horizon sets uh, for like the uh, like modern and uh, legacy and stuff there's a lot of powerhouse cards in there like when Ren and Six was released originally uh, like the Overland Ragavan and stuff like even cards that are played in Commander like if you have a set that has so much power in it it's kind of at least to me it's it kind of as it takes those staples take set like they take spots from your deck list if you want to yeah. play a spicy 99 and you have the option of choosing a super good flexible counter spell with modal options versus the same cost but just like counter target spell for example this is just a theory then of course you want to play the better card so if you end up in this situation where you have just the 99 full of staples it can be expressive if you can like wrap it around a commander that brings the best out of them but for me personally i like those powerful cards that are a bit more spicy so so i, I do agree like it's fun to see a set which introduces support for past mechanics like uh, there's a legend that supports adventure spells and i think those are the kind of things that commander really benefits from uh, older mechanics that you give support to and then you can bring them out like the shrine commander for example so uh, right. i like it i like it sweet um well next up let's discuss a little bit of the gameplay experience itself considering like drafting the set um personally i don't really draft and haven't drafted this set yet um so duke how do you how do you feel about the set as a draft format i'm, I'm curious to hear your thoughts <laughs> I've only ever drafted once before, so I don't have much experience at all with draft. But just from what I've been looking through this and what I'd expect to see, I think it's kind of uh, a solved thing in the first place. Just due to compared to Commander Legends, that draft experience, there was a lot more variety in terms of what mechanics they brought. Baldur's Gate has me a lot of mechanics, but a lot of them are more cohesive. Hmm just due to the nature of them like you can't add two dice rolling cards you have to have the support for all the dice rolling in the draft right mm, yeah with what they've presented to us there's definitely options and you can build a lot of di different stuff but which of them are going to win out in the end there's definitely something that i would try and aim to draft for each time but i imagine it's also going to be very popular to try and draft that part so yeah yeah, I think the, something that sparks my interest, especially in the draft uh, environment, is the new background mechanic because it allows flexibility for for the colors. So you're not as locked into some commanders. For example, in Commander Legends, like the uh, first set, um, if you found a good legend or a good partner pairing, you kind of want to force it, and then you'd just have to play with the colors that you got. So you might play a suboptimal 98, for example, because your commanders are so powerful. But I think with the background, it might kind of turn it around where you can better suit your 98 to be of solid colors if you have like a pretty okay commander, for example. But I don't, I haven't drafted this yet and I probably will draft it only once with some friends. So. I'm not an expert on the subject, but I'm at least, I do like the background thing because it allows the color flexibility. So uh, what do you think about it, Necro? 
again, my drafting experience is pretty limited. Um, I do enjoy playing a lot of sealed. So from from like a sealed perspective, which is, I mean, obviously not the same as draft, but the same general idea. Um, there are some definite like archetypes that you're that you're looking for that you want to play. Um, dragons being one of the more obvious ones because it's very very strong what i will say about just to kind of bounce off of what you said a little bit the backgrounds like offering more flexibility in colors i have to agree but i also wonder which the, i mean they thankfully they printed backgrounds at like all rarities i think or i think there's common ones there might actually not be now that i think about it there are there are okay cool um they printed them at all you know at all rarities which is cool but i do worry because you have to in order to use a background you do have to have one of those legendaries that says choose a background um so i don't know i don't know how that's gonna like play out in practice i know a lot of people have been talking on the server about like their pre-release experiences and people have been having a great time so it sounds like it's fun to me and um i look forward to doing some some sealed yeah, yeah. Um, so last up for this section here before we move on, I kind of wanted to discuss what were you guys originally expecting from the set, and did it deliver for you, um, Sedelia? Overall, I was expecting a ton of new legends, and in that regard, yes, it did deliver. Now, if the commanders itself, or rather the legends, are interesting to me, um, there are some, so I think there are some interesting legends. A lot of the like kind of legend slots are dedicated to the background thing, and I'm not too sure like if those are exactly what sparked my interest. I do have one background uh, card I want to highlight, but overall, I was expecting more roll roll twenty support, which we did get a lot of legends, and I was kind of expecting in a like a, a bit of a scary way, expecting a lot of powerful cards being printed. And fortunately, I think the set's power is good enough that there's cards that you want to play, but I don't think they printed as many insane cards like, for example, Jessica's Will. Like, that card is absolutely bonkers, and I don't think there's too many insanely powerful cards in the set. So pretty much de delivered, and I'm happy to see that there's not... 30 staples I need to slot in my favorite decks. So that's pretty much what I think. Uh, Duke, what do you think about the set? I, I'm pretty much agree with what you've just said, really. There's some things that caught me by surprise. Like, they added Baldur's Gate, and it's a gate. We got more gate support. <laughs> that's not something I would have predicted. I did have a, a gates deck back in the... Uh, Back before he who shall not be named got banned, <laughs> but I I would have liked a better Gates commander than the one we got in this set. But that's just my personal griping. It works fine enough. Just, we have a lot of variety in the legends that we got in terms of what they do compared to what we've gotten previously. None of them power creep something else basically, and that's what I was hoping for. Just more options and more variety overall. Right. Yeah. Um, so I, I have to I have to agree with both of you guys. I think you said it. I think you put it really well. I as far as my personal like expectations and predictions, I don't really get into that a whole lot. Um, except for my 
tinfoil hat theory that Imperial Seal will be printed in Double Masters 2022. Um, <laughs> we'll see. I, I, I'm still on that. I'm still on that train. Um, me too. Me too. <laughs> but for this set, I was I was really expecting a ton of legends um, because that seems pretty obvious, and I was expecting more cards that like cared about having your commander in play or your commander doing something special. And we did get those. I didn't expect them to be backgrounds and like what backgrounds are. Um, as a pretty vocal anti-partner person, which I've come around on that a little bit. I have some partner decks now. Nobody come for me. But I think background does that similar, you know, um, partner thing without without being homogenous or whatever and, and and too too restrictive so um yeah. yeah i'm overall it delivered on the things that i did expect and some unexpected things that are welcome you know welcome inclusions to the format and things that we have to consider now so overall i'm a fan of the set i think it's good sweet so um moving on here before we discuss our highlights of the set i think it would really be good for us to go over some of the new and returning mechanics of the set um so why don't you dive us into that sedelio yeah sure uh we talked quite a bit about the backgrounds as uh, we dropped the word previously uh in case you didn't know what they exactly are um along with choose background being one of the new keywords as well as the background type for a card we also have initiative so uh, also some returning mechanics show a lot uh, show a lot through the set so we have some adventure cards goad myriad party and then we have a new continuation to the venture into the dungeon mechanic which is going to be pretty spicy but i'll have to see if it's actually kind of even powerful in commander or if it's more of a thematic thing so uh duke why don't you get us into the new exciting mechanics well, let's start off with the one we've mentioned the most already. Backgrounds. Backgrounds are legendary enchantments that you can run with a commander that says choose a background. I've been dubbing these cards like adventurers or characters to, to spin on the whole D&D fact. I don't know what's going to stick in the end other than there'll be background commanders. So your background acts as a second commander it is your second commander it is partners it is friends forever and a lot of the ones in the main set a lot of them are focused on like sort of combat damage which makes sense for a draft but some of them stick out really nicely to me i'm gonna go for one of my picks already to just play on this and it's not from the main set it's from one of the pre-cons actually clan crafter clan crafter says your commanders have you can pay two sacrifice an artifact put plus one plus one counter on the, this creature and draw a card any of the part the background commanders are now artifact commanders I was, because of this oh yeah i was about to say boy i wonder why duke likes this one <laughs> <laughs> yeah me too artifacts plus one plus one counters and draw a card hey 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 modular, hey modular, modular. <laughs> i have plans for this card and it's not modular thank you very much <laughs> no color me surprised man I was a, that, that, it might as well be named <laughs> this... Duke's background. <laughs> yeah. No, 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 no. There, there's a different card that will be modular that we'll get into later on. Mm -hmm. Thank you very much. <laughs> spicy, spicy. But for Clan Crafter specifically, this isn't going with a partner. 
this is going into the 99 because you don't have to run backgrounds exclusively in the partner game you can run them as a 99 card this is going to go into my Psy Master Phopterus card because it effectively upgrades his ability oh yeah that's true from sacking two artifacts and getting just a draw you now sack one get a counter and draw a card for the same mana cost Alright, that mm. is sweet. Uh, like, yeah. I have to say, I didn't really think of the backgrounds too much in the, like, 99 itself. So that's that's a really good point. Maybe I'll have to revisit some of them because some of the effects, as you highlighted this one, some of the effects are pretty good. Like, you have some good upsides and always, like, card advantage or just resource advantage is super good. So uh, very good, very good highlight there. Yeah, I think... Honestly, there's more play for these backgrounds in 99s of decks than in the back partner part. Of course, obviously, they, the commanders don't get a choice if they're running them as a background. But I think it's just an often overlooked like thing to mention, that they are still magic cards. You can still run them anywhere else, as long as kind of identity matches anyway. What do you think, Necro? Um, yeah, I, I kind of touched on it a little bit when we were talking about our thoughts of the set. Um, I'm a fan of it. I <clears throat> will go over it a little bit more later when I, when I talk about my picks, but I, I pretty much, from the moment that spoilers started and we saw one of the earlier spoilers, I was just waiting with bated breath for, um, a background to go with this legend that was spoiled, um, to make a, a max slash... CEDH deck um, around it, and it's been a lot of fun. I've done several brews actually with other background commanders and and backgrounds to support them. Um, so I really really enjoy the you know the the mechanic itself um, because I I think it, it it's not as restrictive as partner um, it, at least in my opinion. It just it feels different. It feels a little bit better. I think. And not yep. as, not as just, I mean, cause I, I, I've been, uh, I think we covered it a little bit in like the intro episode. Um, but I've been playing commander for right around 11 years now. So I remember in 2015 when the original partners came out and just how it was like this massive shift in deck building and how people approach deck building. Cause all of a sudden it was just, you can throw Thrasios and Timna at the, um, sorry, 2016, not 2015. Um, <clears throat> 2015 was the, whatever, it's been too long. I'm not even going to try to remember. Um, <laughs> the experience that was 2015. Yeah, organic. experience, right. Um, <clears throat> but it was, um, it, it, it kind of just changed everything because all of a sudden you had, you know, you could just put Thrasios Timna at the, at the head of every deck and you could play like this four color good stuff pile. And it, I don't know, it just, it changed things, which is why I've always been such a, like, not a fan of partner because of what massive effect it had on the format. Now, what I will say though, just a little side note for anybody who wasn't playing around that time, when those, when, when the partners originally came out, everybody thought Timna was the worst one. I don't know why <laughs> everyone thought Temna was the worst one. I used to buy them for $2 a piece when they came out. And I had a stockpile when everyone finally caught on. Granted, it only took like a month or two, but everyone finally caught on. And I was like, I've been telling you guys. Anyway. Nice. Um, <laughs> Always fun to be proven right there. Man. Yeah. So, yeah, background is I'm a fan of it. And I think it's better and healthier than partner in general so um i do hope that we see more of it although i know it's not likely beyond like 
D and D products. But anyway, yeah. Um, so moving on here a little bit, um, the second new mechanic coming out in this set is initiative. So initiative is like a player's designation mechanic similar to Monarch. Only one player can have the initiative at a time, and it is currently the only way to enter the Undercity dungeon. It's a new dungeon, but you can only enter it if you take the initiative. Um, it reads, whenever you take the initiative and at the beginning of your upkeep, venture into Undercity. Um, if you're in a dungeon already, like one of the other ones, Dungeon of the Mad Mage or the Lost Mine of Fandelver, um, you just advance to the next room. If you're not, you enter Undercity, and you can take the initiative even if you already have it. Um, the Undercity is similar to the other existing dungeons in its layout, different options to choose from, etc. Um, and there's mostly some small upsides with the final room being uh, Throne of the Dead Three. It's a little bit more explosive, and it reads... Reveal the top 10 cards of your library, put a creature card from among them onto the battlefield with three plus one plus one counters on it, it gains hexproof until your next turn, then shuffle. Um, so yeah, all the other rooms, kind of general, like ones I think is make a treasure token, that kind of stuff. And then all of a sudden you get to the last room, and it's this like huge, splashy um, effect that can really like change the, t the tide of a game, so... There's a decent number of cards with initiative coming out, and I'm interested to hear what you guys think about it. Uh, Sedalia. Uh, I think it's, like, overall the mechanic is pretty sweet, I would say. I always kind of wanted it to be a bit more powerful. I know there, like, in Standard, for example, there were some decks that played some uh, Venture into the Dungeon things, but in Commander, it mostly felt like a thematic thing, and I think the same thing is here with the Undercity, so it's it's not that explosive overall and i think if you're building a deck around it it's likely for example our server i think it's pivots more towards like bc and low unless you have like a lot of good cards overall in the 99 but i think it's more of a lower power effect and i like the like epicness of the last room so i'm a fan of these kind of random effects it's always fun to flip off cards from the top uh, whether it was like a value polymorph deck or or chaos warping your own stuff. It's it it brings the excitement. So I like it quite a bit, but I don't think it's it's super powerful. Uh, what do you think about it, Duke? I think it's all right. I don't know if it, it using the same thing as Monarch. Monarch gives you like immediate value once you've taken it. Right. Although you do get when you take the initiative, you'll go into Undersea. This one takes a lot longer to like cook effectively. Yeah. And I I. I think it will add complexity to the games maybe too much at times because if everyone has taken the initiative at some point, that's four separate dungeons you have to keep track of. Mm, right. And yeah. you, you do have to keep track of them. There's no avoiding that, which I think is what the main gripe is for people, where you can f effectively force them to venture. Hmm. Although I think there might be a slight political thing where I don't want to attack you, I don't want to bother with dungeons. <laughs> Um, yeah, I, I I kind of agree with you guys. I think initiative, it's it's definitely a little bit lower powered than you know maybe the under the, the other dungeons that we've seen. Um, uh, personally, as someone who I, I have a few cards from the original D and D set that say venture into the dungeon, I was hoping for a little bit more dungeon variety, um, but that's okay.
I think I I do like the fact that the initiative has like was given support but not necessarily because I like Undercity or the initiative in general. I just really hate when like new mechanics or like new things come out and there's like basically no support for them. This one at least has support, which I am a fan of, but I I am not keen on the idea of like being forced into, you know, in, into a dungeon or something like that. So because I might not want to be there and I might have my other venture cards that I want to use and go into different dungeons and all of a sudden I'm stuck in Undercity, which has some decent effects, but not, you know, anyway. So, <clears throat> yeah. Um, moving on here to the returning mechanics, and we're going to keep it a little short and sweet here because these are all returning, obviously. Um, so the returning mechanics of the set, we have Adventure, which we've already touched on a little bit, Goad, Myriad, and Party. Duke, are you particularly excited about any one of these mechanics? Um, I'm a big, big fan of Myriad coming back. I finally get to have my Blade of Cells foil because that's now we put it in the set. <laughs> but there's actually some really strong mo- like Myriad stuff in there. I believe Sedelio actually has one of them as his one of the highlights for the set. Mm. So I'll just pass it over to Sedelio to talk about it. Yes. So uh, this card, it's expensive mana wise. It's an eight mana white card called Legion Loyalty. It's a mythic and it's really short and sweet. It's an enchantment that says creatures creatures you control have myriad. It doesn't say anything else. Yikes. It, it has the ruling text, like the text box is filled with stuff, but it's just one sentence. And short and sweet, so every single creature you control has myriad. So consider this, like I talked about this a bit with Duke pre, uh, like before recording also. If you have Cather's Crusade out and then you just swing in with like five creatures, you get 10 creatures onto the board attacking and everything gets plus 10 plus 10. Like, Jesus Christ. Uh, I, I really like the card. It's super expensive though, so 8 mana is quite the commitment, but uh, this is a good example of how wicked Myriad stuff we're going to be getting. Uh, moving on, uh, aside with Myriad, there's also a party coming back. Um, there's a pretty cool commander that uh, revolves around party, but overall I think it's one of those theme kind of effects and uh, I think the major thing that should be highlighted is the amount of gold in the set. Uh, I feel like every other card that I see or saw being discussed has gold. There's so much forced stuff like give all your opponent's creatures gold or uh, when this creature enters to the battlefield uh, gold another creature and stuff. So I think it's kind of something they wanted to uh, push forward in this set which which is like making explosive combats and you'll kind of protect yourself with it so i think it's a lot to keep track of if you're playing for example uh like a draft experience and you have a lot of gold cards making sure whichever creature is is goaded and stuff like that so um personally i don't think there's too much to highlight with the adventure or party that much uh necro any any closing thoughts or should we move on um, yeah, just one quick thing. Um, I agree with you on, on party. There's really only a little bit of support. Granted, there's a lot of creatures that meet those requirements for party, so that's cool. But I'm I'm excited that Adventure came back because uh, Throne of Eldraine was around a time where I took a break from Magic and I wasn't playing or involved at all. So now getting to see some of those cards like 
in the flesh and actually play with them when it's like current and stuff is is has been pretty exciting for me so um i'm ex- i'm i think that's cool yeah but yeah <clears throat> so um now that we've covered the new and returning mechanics it's time for us to really get into the meat and potatoes of what we're all waiting for and this is the cards itself this is our highlights things that we like so um Sidelio, why don't you take it away with your with your first pick here what are you excited about sure uh i'm gonna start off with a big hit for me personally uh displacer kitten uh as a cat owner as a cat lover and also a lover of mono blue this four mana mono blue creature is absolutely fantastic uh power doesn't really matter it's a 2-2 and has a spicy line which says whenever you cast a non-creature spell exile up to one target non-land permanent you control and then return it uh, or rather the card onto the battlefield under its owner's control um a couple things if you have stuff like mana vault out or you have powerful etbs like spellseeker any single non-creature spell will allow you to bounce a thing like flicker a thing back consider having a for example a zero mana artifact that you can bounce uh, you can kind of uh, do these weird tides bounty things uh, where you can just like flicker stuff and then you can replay it um, and also just as a protective piece if you have for example a seedborn muse out or you have something else powerful if your opponent targets it you can just hey i'll cast a cantrip and now it gets protected so it is already pretty expensive as a card not super super expensive but still in like notably expensive so people know that this is a powerful card and I'm expecting to see a lot of it, and it's going to be a slam dunk into my Thassa list. So, personally, I'm the most excited of this card in the set. Uh, what are your thoughts about it, Duke? It reminds me of a lot of Miss Meadow Witch, which already had a lot of flicker ETB shenanigans. I run it myself in a Ifara deck. Displacer Kitten might replace that. Mm. But I think, honestly, this one's going to be one of the biggest hits in the set in terms of what we'll see come out of it in terms of uh i think we'll see displace a kitten far more often than a lot of the other cards in this set in other decks just because of the potential that one tiny cutie little cat has it... N- never trust cats by yeah the way. yeah a- as a cat owner you cannot trust them <laughs> it's easily the strongest card in the set i mean windmill slammed into like half the decks that I have that have blue in them. It's <laughs> incredibly strong. Uh, something to actually highlight I want to mention uh, because I play a lot of theft effects uh, the Displacer Kitten does have the slight downside of uh, returning the permanent or rather the card uh, under its owner's control so if you were to steal something temporarily you can't use the Kitten itself to kind of keep it so probably not going to be important in most cases but just as a note for the listeners. Uh, moving on here. Necro, give us your first pick. So, my my first pick here, I'll kind of come... I'll combine a couple, actually, because they're, they're at least somewhat relevant with each other. Um, sure. And so we can save a little bit of time here. So my... My first one that I that I kind of hinted at earlier with um I have two background commanders and two backgrounds themselves to talk about um so my the first pair that I'm that I'm really excited about that I was really really looking forward to was um Abdel Adrian Gorion's Ward and the Agent of the Iron Throne um so together it's an Orzov pairing and Abdel 
basically kind of functions as a safe world gorger dragon where he enters the battlefield you exile any number of non-land permanents until he leaves and you actually get to make one one white soldier tokens um for each permanent that was exiled and then the agent of the iron throne background um as commander creatures you own have whenever an artifact or creature you control is put into the graveyard from play each opponent loses one life so i was really we saw abdel really early in the spoiler season we didn't see the background until a couple days later and i'm sure people in the server saw me saying i if we i swear if we get a black background that's an outlet for this combo it's gonna be nuts and we did get it and i was right so um I made it that, <laughs> and it's affectionately called World Gorger Dragon at home. And if you if, if you want to see it, you could follow me on on uh, Moxfield at Necro, or you can just talk to me on the server. It's it's really cool. It's getting to sack stuff and do World Gorger stuff in Orzov. It's it's a great time. Um, <clears throat> the the other background commander and background I wanted to talk about really fast. One that I think people were really excited about is Wilson Refined Grizzly. This is the 2-2 Bear Warrior that has a ridiculous amount of text. Um, It says, This spell can't be countered. Vigilance, Reach, and Trample. And it has Ward (laughs) 2. And it's it's 2 mana. It's 2 mana. Okay? For a 2-2. Bears have certainly come a long way. Yeah, definitely. Um, So I brewed a deck... A Selesnia deck with the background Flaming Fist that just says commander creatures you own have when it attacks that cre- it, it gains double strike until end of turn. So <laughs> that bear doesn't need more keywords. Um, are you Calm sure? Down. Are you sure? I, I think I'm sure. Is, I think it is a agree. pretty like unreal pairing, and um, it's no secret that Selesnia does the enchantress stuff really well. So I've been having a lot of fun playing that deck. It's it's more of a low power geared deck, and I'm just I'm just putting a bunch of a bunch of different enchantments on the bear and going to town up to people's faces. So, um, yeah, it's it's been a good time. <laughs> um, Duke, I got a comment on the Abdul just uh, shortly. Uh, I really love what you mentioned, and especially having the black background because, uh like all the enchantments that uh, bring a creature back and just like the whole 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 shebang about a safer world gorger is super super sweet like uh, just to highlight on it as it's non-land permanence that you exile you don't have to get rid of all, all your lands which is what world gorger kind of falls into the trap of if you get stifled or stuff you can just get wiped out so overall i have to say check your list actually because it sounds super spicy and i think it's it's something that I'd be happy to play play against because it sounds sounds powerful. Yeah, yeah, it's um, it's been a lot of fun, and it, there's there's some really good synergy that like isn't exactly obvious immediately, and some that I didn't even like think about when I was making the deck, and then once I got into it and was really like in that brew phase, I was like, oh my god, there's so much potential. It's yeah, it's 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 awesome. And you know, yeah, you had to cut like fifty of them yeah, probably. It was it was sad. <laughs> Um, Duke, what's your pick for this set? I, I have a couple of picks. Shout out to a card that's literally called Duke. Duke Alder Raven Guard. <laughs> Six mana Boros when at the beginning of combat each turn. Another, cre- another target creature you control gains haste and myriad until end of turn. We have Boros Myriad as a commander. 
Spicy. It's neat. I don't think I'll be brewing it. Maybe. It'll go in some other Boros decks of mine for sure. But as a commander, I think he's just too much mana for Boros. The real star that I want to highlight is Jan Jansen, Chaos Crafter. A Mardu Gnome Artificer with Haste. I can sack an artifact creature, create two treasure tokens. Or sacrifice a non-creature artifact, create two artifact construct creature tokens. This is going to be the modular card of choice, I think. Spicy. This is my modular pick for the set. And Mardu actually has a lot of surprising uses. I've been eyeing Mardu as a target for this for a while. For example, all the modular cards are zero zeros. I'll add Alesha in. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah, damn. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, that's pretty spicy. <laughs> There's some real potential. And again, I have a Ozgear deck, so a lot of those are going to be uh, Boros-themed already. With the black, you get some artifact synergies for Aristocrats. Mm-hmm. Yeah. There's a lot of potential there that I'm excited to go through more. Yeah, I think the card is pretty sweet. I, I always liked three mana commanders simply because it's, it just seems so... It's castable if we compare it to the uh, Duke, which was six mana. Uh, you're going to be able to play this out a lot more times than, for example, a six mana commander. So I think it's more accessible and this like that way it makes it more interesting also because you can plan more around having this out and also the effect itself. You can do a lot with this card and if you have like untappers, I could see this going pretty nuts. I know there's some immediate combos with things like Thornbite stuff you can do. Oh, yeah, I don't think right. I'll be going that route, but you can... Yeah, untappers are going to be shenanigans with this card. I'll hand it over back to you, Sedelio. Got any other highlights? Yeah, uh, continuing on the Boros, actually, I wanted to highlight one of the legends. Uh, it's Commander Liara Porter. Uh, five mana Boros creature, which says uh, whenever you attack, spells you cast from exile this turn cost X less to cast, where X is the number of players being attacked. So, for example, if you're attacking each of your opponents, then the X is 3 here. So, your spells from exile cost 3 less, or rather 3 generic, and also says exile the top X cards of your library until end of turn you may cast spells from among these exiled cards. So, it's a way of generating card advantage and also kind of ramp because it's discount. So I think even though it's five mana, this is one of the Boros commanders I could see myself brewing simply because it's, I always like those impulse cast stuff like Jessica's Will is super sweet, always like the card, but also like uh, you find some prisoners, exile some stuff, and then you can cast those. So I could see a nice mid-rangey kind of deck where you have like, decent spells that you're able to cast and then you can just like discount those and blurt those out maybe some combat shenanigans extra turns or rather extra combats i don't know um do you guys have any additional thoughts or necro if you take us to the next highlight if you will um yeah i <clears throat> so i have two more um i don't think i'm going to talk about the first one as much um just so we can we can get moving along here but uh, so i i would talk about i could probably gush over miram sentinel worm the six mana teamer dragon that makes copies of your dragons um i brewed a deck and it's been a lot of fun but i would be remiss if i didn't talk about my absolute favorite like hands down no other card takes is like number one for me in this set then um will's reversal um, we saw it pretty on in the, or actually I think it was like halfway through the spoiler season, but three mana for a red instant, 
Um, and it basically functions as, I like to call it a fair, somewhat fair, deflecting SWAT. Um, but you choose target spell or ability with one or more targets. The or more part is key. And you roll a d20 um, and uh, add the highest or add the greatest power among creatures you control. So if you roll a 1 through 14, you just choose choose new targets for the spell or ability. It's deflecting SWAT. <laughs> if you get 15 plus, you choose new targets for the original, and then you copy it, and you can choose new targets for the copy. So let's just say hypothetically um, that someone cast a Beast Within. And you get the 15 plus roll. All of a sudden, you get to change the target for the first beast within and kill something on player two's board. And then you also get to copy it and kill something on player three's board. Because you can choose different targets for both for both copies, basically, that you get. For the original and the copy, I should say. Um, I love this card. I cannot overstate how big a fan I am. So... Yeah, I could talk about it for forever, but I won't bore you guys with that. Um, <laughs> do you have? Do you guys have any thoughts about Will's reversal, or maybe Duke, if you want to just go into your next highlight, that's cool too. I'll I'll have to mention this card is super sweet, and I think I'm gonna slam it into Mizics because essentially it's most often gonna be like one red for the effect, and mm-hmm. one red for the effect does seem pretty good. So, uh, really powerful card and surprisingly cheap currently. So we'll have to keep an eye if it kind of catches on or if Necro is a wizard and is just like ahead of his time, similarly with the team. <laughs> so we'll, we'll have to see. He'll be buying out TCG player in no time. <laughs> oh, I, I've already got some on the way. Just you trust that. <laughs> nice. <laughs> I'll go into my final highlight and it's oddly relevant you picked Will's reversal because my highlight's going to be Will himself, hey. Blade oh, of Frontiers. Nice. nice. Dice rolling was something that was very intriguing to me when the first D&D set came out. None of them grabbed me, though. Will, however, has. If you roll one or more dice and said roll that many plus one and ignore the result, whenever you roll one or more dice, plus one, plus one, count them on Will. He's a one-one. It's basic. But he has choose a background, which means I can go for any of the other backgrounds and I can work him in so many different ways. Because depending on your background, that's what roll support you have. And there's quite a lot of ro- dice rolling you can do in any color. Mm, right. I haven't decided on what background to go with him yet for Brew, but he's definitely one I'm keeping an eye on. It's a spicy card. And I think something I want to mention about the uh, Roll20, actually, is that I think this set features more kind of fair Roll20 cards because... The original set, I feel like, had a lot of those where you said, like, if you roll a 20, you get something absolutely nuts. And I think I touched on this in a previous episode when we were we were talking about Will's reversal also, um, is that it's like, it can feel epic, but on the other hand, if you're at losing state and you're like, okay, if you're losing the game and then you're like, if I just roll a 20, we can make this epic and then it can be super cool. But if you're just like, oh, hey, I'll I'll roll the die. Oh, look, I got to do something insane. And then it kind of ruins the purpose in a feel like. So I think the the more fairer split of the rolls is better. So for example, uh, with Wheels Reversal, it's split into two categories, which are not exactly like 1 to 19 or 20. So I... I think the direction is better, but there's still some, if you roll a 20, you do something insane. So 
mm, a bit indifferent myself on it. You say that, but we got the Ancient Dragon Cycle for fair dice rolling. Oh, yes. Oof. Right. I, yeah, I, I don't think dragons. that counts. As, <laughs> I don't think you can put fair on those things. No. <laughs> yeah, so kind of to touch on these, as Duke mentioned, we have a cycle of Elder Dragons. All of them feature another, a different effect, but they all revolve around rolling a d20. So, for example, the red one is when it deals combat damage, I believe. I think it's it was on combat damage. Roll a d20. Yeah, they and then you, Yeah, so when you deal the combat damage, roll d20, and you make X amount of treasures, where X is the amount of the, re, like the result of the die roll. So if the average is 10 and a half, six mana dragon, you punch once, and then you get like 10 or 11 treasures on average. Jesus Christ. And uh, blue was card draw, white created tokens, others I can't even remember, but they're they're pretty powerful, so I... Black has reanimate equal to the mana value oh, roll. Yeah, and green puts that many plus one plus one counters. Let's just say um, I put the teamer ones in the teamer dragon deck I mentioned, mm. and I've playtested, and I drew like 38 cards with the blue one, and I made like... <laughs> oh, no. What, I think I made like 28 treasures, and I was like, this seems fine. <laughs> oh, God. The the black one I have an eye on for my chainer deck. Yeah. Just mm. haste him out and then bring out all his friends. Holy moly. <laughs> Alright, um, that sums up our first part of the episode. Next up, we're going to talk about our highlights from the main set of... Uh, or Sorry, that covers the highlights of the main set. And next, we're going to talk about the Commander Precons. Howdy, I'm Cryptic, one of the admins of PlayDH. I hope you're enjoying our Battle for Baldur's Gate review episode. With that, I'd like to invite you to join our third Maximum Power Tournament, Playmax 3, on Saturday, July 9th. For the grand prize, we have an astonishing foil Odyssey Tainted Pack, a borderless Thassa's Oracle, also in foil, and for the final four, foil Alara Ad Nauseums and exclusive playmats. Signups are available on patreon.com slash playedh. We hope to see you there. Thank you. Now back to the show. Uh, next up are highlights from the Commander Precon decks. Um, as usual, or somewhat unusual, because it doesn't seem like they really have a, a clear idea of how many decks we get each time. Uh, it, it varies. <laughs> <laughs> we have uh, four new decks, um, being Party Time, Exit from Exile, Draconic Descent, and Mind Flayer. Yars. Oh. <laughs> uh, be sure to check out FleetH.com for our upcoming article that goes more in depth um, on the deck list themselves and we're just going to kind of talk about the general themes of the decks here and maybe some cards that we like from them so uh, Sedelio, would you run us through the main themes of these decks? Yeah, sure uh, starting off with Party Time uh, it's probably the most thematic kind of thing for the set along with the Draconic list uh, it features the returning mechanic of party mainly, so it has the wonderful world of clerics, rogues, warriors, and wizards, so what's not to like there? Uh, Exit from Exile features a lot of stuff that you can cast from Exile effects and support for them. Uh, Draconic Descent is centered around the powerful, powerful dragons, which we already kind of touched on. Fortunately, those aren't in the precon, but hey, you can slot them in and then you're going to have a world of options and also some goad action right there. And then the final finalist, the Mind Flayers, uh, as you could guess, is a full house of horror with kneeling being a key component in the list as well. So 
a lot. I think pretty much all of the creatures, if not all, are horrors in the list, and it's pretty, pretty sweet. Um, without further ado, Duke, why don't you start with your first highlight of the Commander Precons? My first highlight of the Commander Precon cards that we got, I, as people who have played against me know, I like really tricksy shenanigan stuff. Mm-hmm. So when a green card comes along that says counter-target activated or triggered ability from an artifact or enchantment source, you know I'm going to try and run it. Oh, yes. So this is green slime. It has flash, it has foretell, and when it ETBs, it counters target artifact uh, activated or... And when it ETBs, it counters target activated or triggered ability from an artifact or creature source. And if it does counter it, it destroys that permanent. I think this is a really cool thing. I don't know about you two, but this is my kind of card. Yeah, I mean, yeah, yeah. Do take it away, Necro. Um, yeah, I'm I'm on board with it. I think it's a I think it's a funky a funky card with a a cool effect. It it has it's playable it's playable. You know, has has good playability. Um, I like it. I and I wouldn't blame anybody for liking it. And I'm I'm eager to get slimed. Yeah, I think also I like it that it's an ooze because I think in the past sets we've kind of slowly gotten more ooze support. We we've gotten an ooze commander also. My friend actually has a pretty fun brew for it as a has a ooze storm list mono green. Yeah, it sounds janky, but mm. man, it's 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 fun. And countering activated or triggered abilities is pretty uh, pretty sweet. But I'll personally kind of have to see because it limits to artifacts and enchantments. So. There's usually a target for it, but how it shapes out, if it's too narrow, we'll have to see. Sadly, I can't target your Fessa, but I digress. <laughs> <laughs> Neko, how about you? Got any highlights for the precon cards? Um, yeah. Well, I'll. I, I didn't specifically highlight one of my own from the precons, um, but I will steal one of Sedelio's real quick Be not the one that he's most fond of sure um but I, I think one that a lot of people were I was really excited about it when I when I saw it spoiled um but this is a deep gnome terramancer a two mana mono white flash uh two two and it has whenever one or more lands enter the battlefield under an opponent's control without being played you can search your library for a planes card put it onto the battlefield tapped and then shuffle and do this only once each turn. So notably, this it doesn't it doesn't stop anybody from doing anything. But this is Mono White's ramp combat against the fetch lands and the nature's lore and cultivates of the world. And the biggest thing I want to highlight about it, it, obviously, it's really great because it has flash, but also that it just says a planes card not a basic planes or whatever so you can grab your um what is it mist veil planes or some of the other like utility planes cards with it or if you if you're in you know dual colors you can grab a scrubland or something with it i don't know um mm, just yeah. something that has that planes that planes subtype and you're good to go so i this card is it's awesome frankly it's really really great so yeah yeah i think the card is also that it's two mana that makes it so much better than anything else because like of course one mana would be too much but it's really playable and it's uh, the amount of mana you can pretty easily keep up so 
it's not as kind of suspicious as keeping seven mana open for a cyclonic rift where your opponents kind of maybe play around it but if you can see like hey i'm keeping the usual two mana so i can cast my swords or i can do whatever i want so it's a very good highlight that you mentioned that you can also grab duels with it so i expect to see this especially in higher powers where fetch lands are being especially in higher amounts also lower powers but it depends on the deck so very very nice card uh, to grab onto my next highlight uh, probably my favorite highlight here astral dragon which is an eight mana dragon uh, which is a four four flyer mono blue and it has this wonderful wonderful etb ability when it enters the battlefield create two tokens that are copies of target non-creature permanent except there are 3-3 dragon creatures in addition to their other types and they have flying. Quite a bit of text to kind of settle in but I'm so eager to play this in my mid power Thassa. I play scroll of fate so I can cheat stuff into play. So what I can do is for example put this into play, I flicker it and then I have uh, two targets to copy and I could copy my scroll of fate if I want to do more shenanigans or even if your opponent has like okay imagine the ideal set situation your opponent has maybe a mana doubler enchantment or then they have like rhystic study or stuff like that and then you can just make copies of those and then you can repeat it with flicker so I I adore the art it's really cool and I rarely get excited of high cost cards, but I think this eight mana card is gonna be my eight card ma eight eight mana cost card of choice. Uh, what do you guys think about it? Well, I think is I need to buy more torpor. <laughs> please, please don't. Um, this card is absolutely insane. It only took about five minutes for someone in the Discord to find an infinite combo with it, being a an enchantment from like way back, I think it was last printed in 5th edition, um, Dance Ooh. of Many. It's too mm. blue, and you can just make infinite um, astral dragons and infinite 3-3 three, three Dance of Many. Oh, it's, god, you could, huh? <laughs> yeah, it's really, really weird. Um, but I windmill slam this into that Teamer Dragons list I've been talking about, and I'm excited to make you know, to uh, basically if it cast it with Miram, you you get two astral dragons. So you get four copies of any, th of any non-creature permanent. So I'm looking forward to making like four guardian projects, for example, or four great hinges. Um, Oh, Lordy. that's just or four sunbirds invocation because I play that in there too. Well, great hinge is legendary, so that would die. But... Oh, true, it is legendary. Yeah, okay. So sunbirds invocation then will probably be the one that I that I look to target and make four. Copies Actually, can of. you target great hinge anyway? Okay, thanks. I don't want free sunbirds. <laughs> <laughs> that card is annoying enough as it is. Also, also something to note is that it doesn't specify non-land permanent. It's maybe mm -hmm. not the like most insane thing, but for example, if you get to play this early or cheat this into play and you kind of ramp two cards with it, for example, and then you flicker it, um, it's not the worst. So there's a lot of flexibility in the card and I think it's it sounds absolutely nasty if you make multiple copies of it. So I am uh, I am terrified of your list, Necro. <laughs> oh, it's so good, man. Oh, I love it. Remind me, what power level was it again? Uh, it's low. Okay, it's... we're never playing low again. <laughs> Oh man, it's it is a great time. I tell you, it's I've been I haven't been ex this excited about a new deck 
Um, Gotta find me some anti-dragon tech. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, it's it's same convergence there. That'll do. Oh, perfect. <laughs> I'll 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 find a way to remove it. You know I play. Probably. You know I like my removal. So. Uh, <laughs> yes, unfortunately. Run more interaction, everybody. Um, Remember that. Right. <laughs> it's good for that, and you know, I'll just try to run more than you. <laughs> um, now to to kind of cap off our episode of Commander Legends: Balder Battle for Baldur's Gate. Um, if you guys were given one of the precons, like if there's one precon that is your favorite for whatever reason, which one would it be, and why, Sedelio? Mm, I think just because of the theme. I would go with the Mind Flayers. Uh, it overall, when I looked at the list, uh, horrors and the theme kind of. I we watched with my partner uh, the fourth season of Stranger Things, and uh, it's just like the theme, the horrors, and overall, it with the mechanics, it seems the most interesting to me. So, if I were to get one, it would be the Dimir Mind Flayers. Uh, what about you, Duke? If I was going to pick one, I'd probably pick the it one, the uh, Draconic Descent. Just c- not necessarily because of the dragons, but there's other cards in there, like support cards, that I really like. I, I mentioned Clan Crafter. There's Artificer class as well, which I think is really sweet. So in terms of the actual value, and rather than playing, I would probably just go for the dragon one. Sweet. How about you, Neko? Um, it's interesting. I was really worried that we were actually going to say the same ones, but we didn't. Um, we didn't. I, 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 if I, we didn't. Nice. We didn't. Yeah, I was, you're gonna. Uh, I think I know what you're gonna pick. Yeah, you probably do. Um, well, actually, it might surprise you now that I think about it, because my the ones I could pick would be the Gruel, the Exit from Exile, or Party Time. Right. Um, I would have to say Party Time, and honestly, it's surprising to me because Party is a mechanic that I haven't ever really been a fan of. But there is so there's so many strong cards in that precon, um, and there's great reprint value too. And I think that even though the mechanic itself is a little bit lackluster, or it has been in the past, looking at that precon as a whole, I think they did a really good job at like making it really cohesive and playing into the into the party mechanic really well. So. I'm a big fan of that. Now, it was a tough choice for me for the from Exit from Exile because I also really love that precon. I'm probably going to get both if I'm being honest. <laughs> but um yeah, I Party Time is my pick for the favorite one. I I think it's really really good. That would you believe me if I said that was what I was predicting you'd pick? Really? Okay. Okay. Mm-hmm. I was expecting the Exit from Exile, I have to say, because it features some <laughs> spicy cards, but it was pretty, like, that was sweet. I was thinking that we'd pick, like, the same one, and then we'd be just like, yeah, I gotta agree with Duke here and stuff. That So we can see that there's versatility, and the deck lists are pretty sweet. And mm-hmm. I, I want to highlight from the list we didn't mention, uh, the Exit from Exile has a spicy three-mana board wipe, which is asymmetric, so it has some synergy with Jessica's Will, so that's something that kind of pivoted me towards that deck list, but I'd be lying if I wouldn't just slam down, uh, slam and get the mind flayers myself. So sweet lists overall. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, both of you surprised me with your picks actually. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. They're, um, they're cool, man. I'm, I'm, I'm a big fan of the set. I'm, I'm ready to play with it. And I think it's going to have official releases in a couple days from now from us recording. So, um, yeah, looking forward to it. Um, 
Well, with that, our episode for the highlights from the Commander Legends Battle for Baldur's Gate is coming to an end. Thank you, everybody, so much for listening. We really appreciate it, and we'll see you next time. See ya. Thanks again. Thank you for listening to PlayDH Radio 903.1. If you enjoyed this episode, please leave us a like or a 5-star review on your preferred platform. We'd also appreciate it if you could share our show with your friends or on social media. Consider supporting us on Patreon. You can find us at patreon.com playedh. If you're already a patron, thank you. Your contributions make all of what we do possible, including our upcoming Maximum Power Tournament, Playmax 3, on July 9th. Further details can be found on our server and signups can be found on Patreon. If you are not already a member, please take a moment to join our Discord. A link can be found on our website at playedh.com. There you will also find articles, interviews, deck techs and more by members of our staff. Our opening credits music is Meanwhile Beyond and our ending credits is Accelerated Dimensions. Both songs are by the talented Formless Voyager. You can find their work at soundcloud.com slash formlessvoyager and you can support them directly at formlessvoyager.bandcamp.com. All links will be available in the podcast description. 